0: So let us look at ourselves for a moment and ask the nasty, uncomfortable, challenging questions staring us all in the face. What would my life look like if my time, my attention, my focus, my care, the attachment I give, the money that I pay towards this phone, what if that was given on the same level to God? And should the phone get lost, that intensity with which I look for the phone, What if I sought the living God daily with that intensity that I'm looking for my phone for? What would life look like? What would the church look like? What would the Helderberg look like? What would your household look like? Now I know what some of you are thinking as a yes, but we should love God more than our phone. I know, but what if we could just match it? Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. You guys have a good time with Jesus? Wonderful. So glad to hear it. We've got, um, it's great to see so many people here. Every Sunday that we get here at 7 and we said everything that you see up here, yes, every Sunday, um, You, I go, will they come? <laughs> will they come? All right. I mean, some of you have heard this story a lot, but um those who are new, when, when God called me to plant and after I gave him all the excuses why, you know, he shouldn't ask me to do this and he answered each and every one and I eventually realized I need to do this, I have to step out in obedience. Um, I said to him, okay, Lord, I will show up and be obedient. I will tell them what you share with me, but you have to bring the people. And he's been bringing the people, and it's been amazing to see. So I just want to give him the glory. Thank him. Because each and every one of you is special to God. And if you are a son or a daughter of the king, that makes you royalty and that that for me is an honor to stand here and speak to you as as royalty of god so if i if i could give you each a crown i would do that but you'll get your crown in heaven one day all right let us get into the word of god thank you jesus i just want to honor my friend and pastor here in the house today bill bennett thanks for being your brother yeah As we were were worshiping just now, I remember visiting him in in Brentwood, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville years ago. And I would witness this man walking out of the comfort of his air-conditioned home where it was like 40 degrees humidity in Tennessee, going into his basement or his garage that didn't have air conditioning and worshiping every morning at 5 a.m. And he invited me to come with him a few times. And eventually I thought I should probably go. <laughs> I should probably get up at five. Um, but I, I cherish those times and those memories. And it was, it was great to worship with you again today, brother. Thank you for being here and for bringing your, your family. Welcome. All right. Um, we are doing a series on foundations on the back of Psalm 24. And for those of you who, are, who do see yourself as part of this church, quick announcement, we are doing a study on these foundations throughout this month. So I really want you to come every Sunday or at least tune in or go and watch and listen every week so that you are on, on board because it's difficult for us to have another course running at the same time as church. We will We hope to grow to that place where we have an ongoing membership course that's running. Um, but because it's the end of the year, and it's our church's second birthday this month. Yes, we want to celebrate by recognizing our members, making sure that you guys, you know, when you say you're a Christian, you know what you believe. It's important. So that's why we're going through these foundations. And just on that note, so quickly, we are celebrating our birthday next Sunday, the 20th. It'll still be a service, I'm still going to preach, but it's going to be with a bit of extra flair and balloons and whatever. So come, and uh, we want, if you are willing, please dress up in yellow, white, ach, gold, white, or black, or a combination of the three, you're more than welcome. Uh, we just And we'll probably give you a little cupcake and something. So please come and join us for our birthday party next week, and um, And then on the 4th of December, we are going to have a special members event where we will recognize and honor our members. And then afterwards, there's a a members' let's call it a year end function or a a members' party. And uh, we need to know who our members are. (laughs) Some of you think you're a member, but you haven't actually told us. So if you see yourself as a member and you haven't done so already, please send us a message on Telegram. Uh, or WhatsApp, just so we know, hey, me and my family, we're in. Here's our names, so we can make sure you're on the list, because we'd like to give each and every one of you something to say, hey, welcome to the family. It's great to have you here. Everyone understand that? Happy with that? All right. Who here, you know, by by show of applause, is a member of Love Key Church? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should tell you what's happening at the membership party and then more people will come. <laughs> Nothing like a little bit of manipulation to get people there. Uh, all right. As, as I was going back and, and looking at the foundation series we did last year, as we laid these foundations very um, firmly, I realized that I, um, I took two to three Sundays per foundation last year. And now we're trying to do two foundations per Sunday over four weeks. So there's no way that I can get into every, every little thing of each foundation. But So please see this as an intense uh, summary. And I want to encourage you to, to go do your own study further into each of these topics. And maybe even go back and listen to the messages from last year. If you don't know, uh, they start from a message called U-Turn, which is about repentance. So you can go and check that out. The foundations we are talking about is repentance, salvation. It's the ones we did last week. Today we're going to tackle faith and lordship. And then we've got baptism with water, baptism with Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about spiritual family and discipleship. So that's still coming up. The reason we're doing this It's because if we don't, as believers, know, understand, and have these things firmly in our spirit, man, we will struggle with our identity. We will struggle with our calling. We will struggle in our marriages and our families and in what God has called us to do. If we need a clear picture of what these things are and a solid foundation so that when the winds come, when the storms come, we're like, no, I know who I am. I know what I believe. Amen? That's why. Anyone that does training in any proper field will tell you the reason we do some of these things is so that it becomes second nature. It becomes secondary to what your normal response will be. So when I don't have to think about what faith is, I don't have to wonder what it means to be baptized, I know because I've studied it, God has settled it, um, I know the scripture and I've done it, I've lived it then it becomes part of who we are. Amen? All right. So the series we're doing is called Who Will Ascend, which comes from Psalm 24, and we'll read that together just now. But I want us to just quickly be reminded of why we are doing this from the Scripture. We read that these things are seen as elementary. They should be, this is grade one Christianity. We should have this down pat but I think the average Christian may not have this all you know, sorted out. So let's read from Hebrews 6 verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. That's the standard, guys, perfection. How many of you feel perfect in your knowledge of the Word and in your journey with Christ? That's why we're doing Foundations. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, or laying on of hands of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. What is he saying? These things should be normal. And once you get it, it should not be necessary to lay it again. It should just be part and parcel of who we are. Okay, so that's just undergirding what I said a moment ago. And today I want to add this scripture that has challenged and helped me a lot. This is a prayer that Paul writes to the Colossians. He's got a similar prayer to the Ephesians, where he just, he prays that we will get it. In modern day language, we'll say, I just pray that you get this. <laughs> I pray that it's settled and it doesn't go anywhere afterwards. You know why? Because once we hear truth, the enemy will come and say, eh, like it did with Eve, did God really say? And if you don't know that God really said, then He will make you doubt, and then He will lie, and then you will go, yeah, maybe. And that's the problem. And that's where many, many people of faith tend to fall away or get their wobble in their journey with Christ. So listen to what Paul says. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Let us also pray for each other this way. To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God amen so can we see why and would he pray this if it wasn't possible would he pray this if it wasn't accessible no, he wants us to know this. And I want this for all of us, that we will be filled with the knowledge of our understanding, uh, uh, the knowledge and understanding in our spirit, man, about what God wants to share with us. Amen. All right. So to our main anchor scripture for this series, Psalm 24 from verse one, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Can I get an amen? The world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it on the waters. Now, this is where our title comes from for the series. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully this man, this person will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face. And that is our title for today. Those who seek him. Who shall ascend? Those who seek him. What does it mean to seek him? We're going to talk about that. And We are using that as a title for the the foundations of faith and obedience. All right. So I want to ask you a question. We're living in a modern day age. Most of us in this room will probably have some kind of smart device, a phone that, you know, we do most of our life on. How many of you have ever lost your phone? Ever lost it? How many of you wish you had a phone? (laughs) Okay. All right. So for how many of you, when you lost your phone, you couldn't find it, and like you are busy, there's a lot happening, You, you suddenly your whole world comes to a standstill. All right? This, this wasn't as important, but yesterday this happened to me. I lost my phone, couldn't find it, don't know where I put it. And then for those next few minutes, I didn't do anything else. I just tried to find my phone. Anyone ever had that happen to them? All right. So you, re, you retrace your steps. You second-guess yourself. You're like, what did I do? How did this happen? You try pinging it with your watch or with another device, and now for some reason this amazing technology doesn't work, and it's not pinging, and you get frustrated. Did you give up? It's like, ah, I'll just let the 24,000 Rand phone go. Anyone ever give up on their phone? No. You keep looking. Until when? Until you find it. How many of you when you were looking for your phone was, you know, you were kind of casual, kind of relaxed, not really phased. If I find it, I find it. Or were you a bit more passionate and relentless and focused and let no one stand in my way until I find my phone? Perhaps even you put lunch or dinner on hold with starving children looking at you with longing faces. When will mommy find her phone so we can eat? You laugh because it's true. And when you finally did find your phone, what did you say? Yay, woohoo, I found it. You shouted it to everyone, right? Because everyone was looking with you. Because the whole house had to come to a standstill. All the offers. Okay, everyone can relax now. I found my phone. Because everyone was so upset about your phone being gone. But you kind of projected your urgency onto them, right? Why did your whole world come to a standstill when you lost your device? You can say, well, it's expensive. It cost me a lot of money, so I don't want to lose it. Maybe there's some precious photos on it and it hasn't synced with the cloud Maybe you waited a very long time for this phone, and now you, you know, this is your phone. Perhaps deep down, you started feeling some kind of deep longing to just hold it, to just scroll. I just, I just need to scroll again. If I can't scroll, you know, I might pass out. Maybe you just have FOMO. From what? What happened in the last five minutes on social media that I missed? If you don't know what FOMA is, let the young people tell you. Fear of missing out. Perhaps it's the functionality you know it has and that you need this phone for your business. And that's why you're so stressed. You have faith that this thing, will keep on helping you and making things easier by doing important tasks quicker and make things happen in your life. And you believe that this thing can do it. This expensive, valuable, multifunctional, multi-connected device that we take care of, charge when needed, keep by our bedside, the last thing we look at when we go to sleep, The first thing we look at when we wake up, it's very important to us. Some would even say, if they've watched Lord of the Rings, it's my precious. (laughs) Now I want you to take this example and you can replace the word phone with money or career, or girlfriend, or boyfriend. Some of the men in this room, rifle, mountain bike, motorbike, car, whatever it might be, put it in there. So, let us look at ourselves for a moment and ask the nasty uncomfortable challenging questions staring us all in the face. What would my life look like if my time, my attention, my focus, my care, the attachment I give, the money that I pay towards this phone, all of that that I've done for this phone, what if that was given on the same level to God? And should the phone get lost, that intensity with which I look for the phone? What if I sought the living God daily with that intensity that I'm looking for my phone for? What would life look like? What would the church look like? What would the Helderberg look like? What would your household look like? Now, I know what some of you are thinking is, yes, but we we should love God more than our phone. I know. But what if we could just match it? What if if we could just match it? (laughs) Have you thought about that? I was challenged by this question yesterday. So let me put it in another way. Do I have more faith in my phone than in God. Really. If I read, Donkey Jamil. Amen. I'm talking All right. So now that I've hopefully gotten all of you to throw away this life-sucking, life-monitoring, private listening recording devices away, let us go to the Word of God. <laughs> All right, our first, our first foundation we're talking about today is faith. And we're talking about those who seek Him. Those who seek until they find. It is when we believe something exists that we want to find it, and that it, we know it can be found and we know it will be found. That's when we try to seek something, right? When you were looking for your phone, you're like, I know it exists. I know it's somewhere in the house. And I know what it does and I know I'm able to find it. So I'm going to try and do it until so you get the principle. So before I ascend the hill, before I want to stand in the holy place, before I seek God, I must believe, have faith that God actually exists and that it's actually possible to seek and find Him. Would you agree? All right. So let us stop for a moment and think about why would someone seek God? Why would he even want to ascend the hill and stand in the holy place? What would drive a person to do that what would drive you why would you seek god what is what is that internal overwhelming motivation what is it for you you see faith gets you going but behind the faith there should be love There should be love for God. And because I love Him, and because His Word says, if I draw near to Him, He will draw near to me, that He is able to be found. Now by faith from love, I go, I want to seek You, Lord. I want to seek You, Lord. When I love someone, I should want to be with them. How many of you are married and your spouse says to you, I love you, but listen, I'll see you in a month? What are you going to do? Oh, no, I'm just going to be away. But I thought you said you love me. I do. I'll love you at a distance. How many of you would buy that? It doesn't make sense, right? And when I'm not with them, let's say, I mean, this is hopefully way worse than your phone. Let's say a loved one goes missing. I mean, that's a next level of seeking, right? Imagine losing a child. That's, that's a whole other ballgame. If it's not, then you really need help. But now... Love, together with the belief that God is alive and is available and wants to see me and wants to spend time with me, should feel our desire to seek until we find him. I'm going to keep saying until, because that is how we should be seeking God. You can also put in the word pursue in there. When when do cops give up a high-speed chase? They're in pursuit of a culprit, they want to catch him, when do they stop? When they've caught him? Hopefully. <laughs> so, <laughs> Psalm 24 says that those who seek God and seek his face, in, in most Bibles that word face has to do with his presence. It's his presence. It's seeking to be in his presence to be near him to engage with him to encounter him to experience his closeness that is the motivation for the seeking I love you so much I want to be near you because when I'm near you your presence will be there and on me and around me and full me amen those who seek God are those who have faith, are those who believe that He does exist. They want to seek and find His face, His presence, that it is possible to find and step into His presence, and that they will find it if they persist. Have you ever stepped into, like, I've got five minutes, I'm going to have a quick, quiet time. You sit there and you go, okay, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Oof, i forgot my next appointment. And you go. Because you, you're like, well, God, you need to come when I'm ready. How many of you know, how many of you, if you have been waiting for someone for a long time and they eventually come, but you can see they're looking over your shoulder for the next appointment, will actually engage. The way you would have engaged if you saw them come restful, focused, and look you in the eye. It's different, right? Have you ever noticed that we say pay attention? Pay. It's giving. It, is, it, it costs you something to give your attention. So paying attention is actually a very apt way of saying it. Alright, so by now I hope that you have a better idea of what faith is. Faith is that driving force that should lead us to seek God. But I'm going to give us some scriptures as we go deeper into what this is. So, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, For we walk by, not by, what does the world say? Seeing is believing. That's exactly what the world says. How many of you have heard that from a young age? No, trust the facts. You eh? have to be realistic. Be realistic. If you don't see it, it's not there. And then those same people, and let me not get into that subject. For we walk by faith, and not by sight. Jokes will listen to this now. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Okay, so the famous definition of faith is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Okay, we'll get to that. But remember that when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in chapters and verses. That was put in later. So this was a continuing thought. All right, so let's read from Hebrews 10, verse 38 to 39. And then go into Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. seen. Are you of the just? You should be way quicker, guys. Okay, we need to start again at repentance and salvation. Let me go back a week. Are you of the just? Whoa, okay. I thought I had to start all over again. So when you repent... You turn from sin to God. You are saved, born again of God. You are made righteous. You are justified. It is just if I'd never sinned when Jesus saves you. All right. Quick recap from last week. So are you of the just? If you are born again, you should say yes. All right. Good. If you are of the just, do you believe in salvation? All right. Good news. You will live by faith. If you're of the just and you believe in salvation, you will live by faith. But what is important? To not draw back. What does that mean? It's the opposite of seeking God. If I look and I look and I give up and my attention goes somewhere else, what do I do? I draw back from that. And then God has no pleasure in me. but you are not of those says the word of god amen all right good safe now it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for now my friend Ade some of you will know him he helped me to understand what faith is from this verse and i've got some bible over coffee friends at the back there it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, can I hope if I don't have substance? Okay, let me start here. Do you believe the Bible is the word of God? Yes. All right. Do you believe that this verse is in the Bible? Hebrews 11.1. One? Yes. Do you believe that you should listen and obey? Yes. Good. It says, faith is the substance. I want to know what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Yes, but I just hope for a good life, you know. I just hope. I just hope there will be peace on earth. And I just hope that I'll get that car and I'll get that. I just hope. And I have so much hope in this life, in this world. Based on what? In my heart, you know. The Bible says the heart is deceitful among everything and it's sick to the core. I'm just following my heart, you know. It gives me so much hope. Good luck. So, but that's how the world works, guys. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I need to read the scripture and I need to renew my mind and go, wait a minute, I can't hope if I don't have substance. So what is substance? Faith. No, faith is substance. So what is substance? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. <laughs> All right, I'm going to help you. Some of you ladies are wearing jewelry, all right? How many of you are wearing gold jewelry, all right? Did that gold jewelry that's hanging off your ear or on your arm or wherever it might be, did it come out of the ground that way? No, it was raw gold. What what did that raw gold need to go through To get onto your neck or your ears, it had to be melted down, worked through, put together. It had to be cleaned and then had to be molded and and made into that shape by a goldsmith. Are we in agreement? All right. The guy who took the gold out of the ground, he had the substance of the jewelry that could come from this. So he saw, I can sell this because someone can make jewelry from this and sell it on. So they will pay me for this. I have substance that someone will make jewelry. Do you understand that? So that is what our faith is like. But now we still need to know what faith is. Let's look. When you keep reading Hebrews 11, it talks about heroes of the faith. A lot of people call Hebrews 11 the hall of faith. Have you heard that? The Hall of Faith. Because it talks about all these faith heroes from Abram right through um, to Jesus. And it just says, by faith, by faith, by faith, they did this. By faith, they did this. By faith, they were called righteous. And it says all these amazing stories. And, and you'll notice that they, they only tell the good side of everyone's story. I love how the, the writer says, you know, Abram never doubted. <laughs> like, Hagar has a different story. But anyway... So they highlight, they highlight where they were doing well in faith, all right? Now, when it talks about Abraham, it talks about his son Isaac. Now, Isaac, Isaac was promised a son. Do you know about that? All right. How long did he wait for his son and how old was his body? How impossible was it for him to get a child and for his wife And how long did he wait, anyone? Over 20 years. And they were already old. And now they waited another. And in the meantime, Sarah was like, well, God is taking a bit long. I think we need to take matters in our own hands. But skipping to him now having his son Isaac, the promise of God is with him. God says, kill your son. Go and offer him up. There is no record in the Bible of a conversation between Abram and God where Abram goes, no, Lord, please don't take my son. Or him rebelling. or him. It's the next line is the next morning, Abram got up early, took his son, took two workers, and they went. Because God would show him where to go. And he went as far as picking up the knife to kill his own son, only son. And then the angel said, stop, and provided a ram. You know the story. But what Hebrews reveal is that it is possible, it reveals that the reason why Abram was willing to do what God said, it's because he had faith, which means he had substance. It actually says in Hebrews that Abram believed that God would raise him from the dead. What did he base that upon? How could you believe something so strongly that you are willing to kill your own child because you know that God who said, here's your son, he will raise him from the dead. Can you see the level of certainty? The level of confidence. Can you see that? What Was the substance that Abraham had. The promise of what? The promise of what? The nations. God promised him, I will make from you a nation that's larger, will be more than the stars in the sky and the sand in the field. He made a covenant with him. So, Abraham knew that the God of the universe. Now, guys, Abraham did not have a Bible. He didn't have a Bible. He had a relationship with God. God counted his faith to him as righteousness. And because he believed, if God said it is so, he's like, okay, I will be the father of many nations. He has one son. Great. Okay, kill him. Okay. You must have a plan that I don't understand and that I can't see. Maybe you'll raise him from the dead once you've killed him. Because I know that I know that you spoke and said this is what will happen. Can you follow the thinking? All right. So we still have to just settle in everyone's mind what is the substance. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So Abram was hoping that his son would be raised from the dead if he killed him. He based his his, his faith was solid in the substance that God said, you will be the father of many nations. So the end of that, I have to go through so quickly. But can you understand that when you have a word from God, or the word from God, that that is your substance, that you can hope upon that you can see the evidence that is unseen to everyone else, you see in your spirit, man, it will happen. That is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if God said so, it will be so. And this is true, I believe, for the Word of God. So you can take Scripture and say, Lord, you said this is true. I'm going to stand on that truth. And however that plays out, it may not always make sense to me, but I know that I know that who you are and what you said. And we stand on that. Amen? All right. Now, the next thing about faith I want to talk to you about is word, faith, action. Word, faith, action. We get the word from God. That is now my substance that I have. And now out of faith, I take action. Now, where do many people get stuck? I think on any of the three. (laughs) I don't really believe the Word of God is true. I may believe it's true, but it's not true for me, so I'm not going to put my faith in this Word. Or, yo, I love God. Wow, this Word is amazing. Glory. Hallelujah. And then I walk out of here or out of my quiet time and I just go business as usual. I don't take action in line with the word of God. Does that make sense? We need to know that the word of God, we need to know the word of God so that we can receive the substance that will stir our faith and help us to make um, the choices that need to be made and the actions that need to take place. I'm going to quickly take us through five different topics where this applies, word, faith, action. All right. First of all, Obviously, what I spoke about last week, salvation. Faith is necessary for salvation. You agree? We hear, it says, we hear the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. All right. So when we hear the word of God, when we hear the gospel and it impacts us, that is why we are a church where people come to encounter God. Because when you encounter him, you encounter the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And you realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and that by grace, through faith, I am saved. And now I take action and I receive this gift of salvation and I choose to follow Jesus and live for Him. Does that make sense? Word, faith, action. All right. Next up, receiving my calling and identity. So now that I'm saved and I know where I'm heading, there is much more to being a child of God than just getting a ticket to heaven. Did you know that? We don't get saved to just go to heaven. We get saved so that we can bring heaven to earth. Amen? And if you, I can't go into all of this in depth, but if you read Psalm 139, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4, 2 Peter 1, Colossians 3 and Romans 8, you'll be overwhelmed by how God sees you You'll see that you have been chosen and planned before time began for the foundations of the earth. It talks about how precious you are and how much you've been called for God's purposes. Amen. So it's so powerful. Go and do a study on those. It's really so good. God's word and or God's, so we can all receive from the word of God and we can receive prophetic words or encouraging words or when I spend time with God, I hear from him because he says my sheep know my voice. So if I know his voice, I spend time with him, I will hear him sometimes, maybe not audibly, but in a picture or a dream or in some way he will fill my thoughts and tell me how he sees me. And now I know how God sees me. For me, it was in a last session with a pastor in Johannesburg where I went through counseling and working through stuff. And on the last session, he said, okay, today we're just going to ask Jesus to show you how he sees you. And I got an amazing, epic picture of how Jesus sees me. And that picture has has helped me, taken me, strengthened me through some of the toughest times in my life. If I wanted to doubt, I could stand on that picture because that picture is substance that makes me hope and makes me see things that no one else can see, And and when we know that we know the word of God is true and who he's made us to be, our identity is sure in him and from my identity flows my calling. This all comes from understanding who he is, who I am, and that his word is true. Therefore, I will have faith in his word and now I will live that way. Word, faith, action, all right? Thirdly, this is how we receive promises from God. If I know that God told me this will happen, then I have a promise. He's given me His word. Now I stand on that word and I take action. Quick example of this, my wife and I, When we wanted to try and have children, uh, so first of all, let me tell you this. God gave me a word, a vision in 2005 that I will have a wife, hallelujah, and that I will have three boys and a girl. I knew this. Before we were even together, God showed me in a picture, I will have three boys and a girl. Now, a couple of years in being married, my wife and I started trying. We didn't fall pregnant. We went for tests. They told us from the test, you have less than a 5% chance of falling pregnant the natural way. I said, thank you for the medical advice. I know what my God said. So we prayed into the word of God, the promise of God, and we didn't give over to the the prognosis or the diagnosis of the doctor. We didn't let that decide for us. And shortly after that, we were pregnant. But then we had a miscarriage. And now suddenly your faith is stirred and then you feel knocked down again. But God said... So even through the miscarriage, the hurt, and the, the, the absolute re- heart-wrenching time that was, God carried us through that. And in His amazing way, He came and He gave us both closure on that experience. But shortly after that, because we trusted in Him, we felt pregnant again, and we had three boys in a row. And then my wife said, I'm done. But I know that God said there's still a goal on the way. And I said, Lord, if if you want that goal to come, you need to work on my my wife's heart. Long story short, he did. Our daughter is here and our family is complete. Thank you, Jesus. The fourth thing, we need word, faith, action when it comes to going through adversity, trials, tribulations and suffering. How many of you know that? That would get us through it. If God gives us a a word about why we are here, and we start on that journey, and we say, Lord, we know God said, go here and do this, and we start, and there's challenges, there's tribulations, there's things that go wrong that you don't even think can go wrong. The word that God gave us will keep us going. Sometimes we have to be able to discern, though, between I wanted to do this, and I started hitting my head against the wall. That's different from God said go and there is adversity. We need to have that wisdom. Amen. And then the last one is stepping out into the miraculous. How many of you know from the word of God that we are actually called to heal the sick, drive out demons, raise the dead? Come on. That should be normal for Christians. The Bible says that we will do what Christ did and more. And it says that what Christ did couldn't be contained in the books of the world. Let that break your brain for a moment. So we when we have the word of God that it is possible for us, and it says that, listen, there are over 20 spiritual gifts that you can operate in. Healing is one of them. There's other things as well. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. You can prophesy. You can encourage people. You can help. All these ways is spiritual gifts from God that we have to. But when I know it's true, I still have to believe it's true, and I have to step out in action. Amen? So by faith, we can do what God has showed us is possible. What are the three opposites of faith that most of us struggle with? Fear, an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain, or harm is one of the definitions. Fear. Now there's a healthy kind of fear that saves your life in a moment, but the unhealthy kind is that perpetual one that doesn't let you go, that torments you, That's not the fear that we want. That will take away from your faith. It's the opposite of faith is that kind of fear. And close friends of fear are doubt and worry. Jesus literally says, well, I'll get to that. How do we deal with fear, doubt, and worry? Now, fear, Paul says to Timothy, we have not been given a spirit of fear. Hallelujah. But love, love, power, love our mind or self-control and so we need to if we do feel an oppressive kind of fear what do we do in that moment we said it is written like Jesus did it is written that God's word says this that is my substance on which I will stand and take action fear you have to leave you're not allowed to be here amen same with doubt doubt will do what what the enemy has been doing from the start did God really say? You can even walk out of here today and say, did, you know, is faith really that? What does he know? Doubt will come and you'll go, mm, what, you know what James says about a double-minded man? You should not expect to receive anything from God. <laughs> Hectic. Go read it, James 1. It says, if anyone wants wisdom, ask from God who will give without reproach. A lot of people stop reading there. It keeps going. It says, but let that man ask without doubting, otherwise he will receive nothing. So doubt is you're not your friend. Worry. Jesus has a famous quote, this is a long one, I'm not gonna read the whole thing because we're out of time. But in, in Matthew 6, 25, you know it, God says, Jesus says, don't worry about what you will wear, what you will eat, all these other things that the pagans worry about. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind, knowing that I know what you need. But we can scroll down. At the, at the end it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. But seek first. Worry is not a fruit of the Spirit. Christians should not be people who worry. Jesus literally says, don't worry. So if I worry, I am disobedient. Who You can. he did see me? I'm not saying it. this is the Bible. He says, "Don't worry, and you worry." There's a disobedient. <laughs> guys, I'm struggle with that as well. I'm not saying I've got a down pat. There's moments where I do that. But what, I, what do I do? I say, the word of God says it is written. So and that's our daily battle of the mind. This is where it happens, guys. When the doubt wants to come, when the fear wants to come, when the worry wants to come, I say, it is written. And then I stand on that and I take action. Amen. All right. I need a whole new day for obedience. But in the, in the few more minutes we have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. We've now covered faith. All right. But pretty much a big part of the action from faith has to do with obedience. Yeah. Once again, there's this question. Imagine having someone you love who is close to you, who constantly says, I love you. I trust you. I believe in you. But then when you give them advice or you tell them to do something, they either ignore you or they do the exact opposite. Will you believe that they love you? When we say we are, a, we are Christian, I believe, and we give God lip service in front of other people and even to Him, but we don't actually give Him our service by obeying His Word, we are doing exactly the same thing. Lip service is no service if it, doesn't, if it isn't backed up by real obedience. One of the definitions of obedience is its compliance with an order, a request, or a law, or if you submit to another's authority. It implies a willingness to submit, to go under, to follow. The Hebrew word for obedience is shama, which also translates as to hear. But in the Hebrew mindset, if you hear, you must obey. It goes hand in hand. When God speaks, I will obey. And that is such a beautiful idea. I believe there's also the need to be, um, there needs to be the acceptance and the submission of his lordship, which flow out of the act of obedience to his word, his voice, and his sound. So the, the topic we're talking about is obedience and lordship. If I say I'm a Christian, I've been born again and saved, but from the moment I've given my life to Christ, I do not submit to His leadership, His lordship, then I don't understand what I said yes to. And I pro- might not actually be really saved. Because the whole idea is you die to self, which means your will, your way, and you come alive in Christ to do His will. Amen, And this is difficult for us to understand, but I want to show you quickly something. Psalm 112 from verse 1 to 2, it says, Praise be to the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and delights greatly in obeying his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. All right. How many of you will want to have descendants that are mighty and be blessed in the earth? It starts with fear of the Lord and greatly delighting in obeying His commandments. How many of you get excited about rules? Yay! He greatly delights in obeying His commandments. Now, how are we supposed to understand this? I want to show you. 1 John 5 verse 3. It says, for this is the love of God. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. When will commandments not be burdensome? When will they not be hard? When I understand that I do them out of love and that they are for me, to bless me, to give me a good life, a healthy good life. I don't mean the best life now kind of thing. I mean, when I understand this is how God designed me to be. And then Jesus said it very straightforward. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Can you see that there's a connotation between love and obedience? If I truly love, I will obey. Because God loved me first and I had a revelation about that and it changed my life, I am now a new creation. I respond to that by loving Him back. And true godly love is unconditional, serving and sacrificial. And... I do not, uh, if I, sorry. It's serving and sacrificial. And I need to follow his word daily. And it's not out of a sense of obligation. It's out of a sense of relationship. Amen. The last big thought around obedience, I want to read to you from Luke 6, verse 43. And let let us retake this in. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit, for every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil of his evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he, uh, whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. When I was young, I remember the story as just meaning I must build my house on the rock of Jesus. And that is sort of true. But just building it on believing that He exists, that there is a Jesus, or that, yes, I love Him, is actually not the whole truth. The whole truth is When I hear him speak, I must do what he says. Otherwise, he doesn't know me. There's a famous saying in the Christian world, you may have heard this before. If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. I understand what it means. It means that in your life, if you don't make him Lord, then you run the show. But if you choose that he's not Lord of your life, does that mean he's not Lord of life? Does his law suddenly not apply to you? No, it still applies. He is still Lord. Just because you don't recognize him. How many of you know that the president we have, you may not have voted for him. He's still president. It's kind of the same thing. He's still governing your life. Now, luckily, our God knows exactly what the right thing is to do and the right way is to live. So, if I rebel against His government, I will feel the consequences. But if I align with His government, I will see the blessing. I will see the fruitfulness. And I will be fruitful for Him. Amen? All right. Let us stand in the presence of our God and let us reflect and respond. Lord Jesus, we have spoken about these important matters, Lord. What does it mean to have faith in you? What does it mean to obey you? And Lord, it's impossible to bring everything from your word about these topics in one session. But Lord, I thank you that you have spoken to us today through your word. Your word is our substance. And we will hope, we will see by faith. What may not seem possible, what may not look possible, we believe. And so Lord, today, we choose to have faith in you. If any of, one of you feel like me a little bit today, and that story about the phone has really challenged you, and you need to repent, maybe it's not your phone, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's another thing in your life that the Holy Spirit showed you today and says listen this thing may be as important or even more important than God in your life let us just take a moment and and repent let us just say Lord I'm sorry for putting this thing in any way above you or beside you I'm sorry Lord I repent forgive me wash me clean and make me new I want to be that person that ascends the hill of the Lord and stands in the holy place with clean hands and a pure heart, not lifting my soul up to anything else, not dealing deceitfully, being righteous, being justified by the blood of Jesus. I know, Lord, that's who I am. Say that to Jesus. Say, I know that's who I am. I believe it and I stand upon that truth. If there's anyone here in this place today that feel like Holy Spirit is speaking to you, there's this tug in your spirit being that you don't really understand. Something it's saying to you, you need to make a decision today. If you want to make a decision to follow Christ today, to repent, to become saved, to put your faith in Him, to make Him Lord of your life, these things we've been speaking about, if that's you today, if you want to say yes to Jesus, you just put up your hand and show us. You want to make that choice today? Say yes to Jesus. Anyone? Is there any of the team that see a hand that I'm not seeing? Just tell me. If you're feeling uncomfortable inside your chest, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He's calling you because He loves you so much. All right, if this... If this is too hard, come please come to me afterwards if that's you. I just sense there is at least one person that wants to make that decision today. Alright, if you are here today and you are following God, you are following Jesus, but you realize, man, I need I need to step out in more faith. I need to trust the substance of his word more. Word, faith, action is lacking a little bit. I need to, I need to step it up. If that's you, can we all just raise our hands and say Lord, help us, strengthen us, guide us. Lord, we want to move in the more. We want to move in bigger faith based on your word. And Lord, we want to take action when you say so. Help us and strengthen us in our faith so that when you speak, we will move. We pray that in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Have a wonderful Sunday. We love you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week.